Welcome to the Queen City Preachers Podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And we're back. We're back. Yay. Woo. After a long time. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's been an adventure. It's been vacation and chaos. <laughs> vacation and chaos. <laughs> lots of lots of different things in lots of different ways. It has been a, a very, very busy month here. We've been overwhelmed. <laughs> and we haven't gotten to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has this has slipped to the back burner um, with good reason. But yeah. um, we, we do miss this. And so yes. it's good to be back. It's a sunny so, day. There are choirs singing in our building today. A heavenly host. A heavenly host of, call, of high school students singing. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's... It's cool. Um, and so we're going to talk about John. It's sunny out. Did you say yeah. that? Did I say it's sunny? I don't Maybe, know. Maybe. I don't know. The sun is Cycling shining. Cycling back. Yeah. It's winter, but the sun is shining and the weather is kind of churning, you know? There's been more there sunny days. There have been moments of sp- that it feels like spring. Just a hint. Just a, it's amazing just a how much 40 yeah. degrees feels like spring. <laughs> I know. When you live in the hinterlands. It's all, it's all relative. Yes. Yeah. So, so as I was saying, we're going to talk about John today. We're in Lent. Fourth chapter. This is the third um, third Sunday in Lent. Sunday yep. in Lent, yep. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so for those of you following along with our Lenten devotional series, we're working with the a Sanctified Arts um, devotional and, and Lent liturgy um, that's seeking. Um, seeking, which is about kind of diving into deep questions mm-hmm. um, and exploring things. And I think that um, you know this. Uh, so we've had some of that in different ways in the texts um, from the lectionary, but also I think that it's it's interesting just thinking about this time of year, the season, the questions we're asking, the turning, the shifting, um, and now we're getting into a really interesting. I mean, it'll be well. We'll dive into John into the story of the woman at the well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, of how do we understand this with questions and longing and seeking and mm-hmm. and those pieces? Um, but I think it's it's a wonderful. Um, I really appreciate the work that they've done to help kind of capture this theme, but also to to lift up certain aspects of these stories in ways that help us wrestle with them faithfully. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. It's a wonderful resource. Yeah. Okay. So today, yes, we do have the woman at the well, and that is John 4. And then I'm also going to read from Exodus 17, which is the Old Testament reading for this Sunday, too. Okay. Um, All right. So this is John chapter 4, and we're starting in verse 5. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And that's where we're going to stop. Uh, it goes on, but I think that kind of gets to the point of the questions and everything for. Well, it does, but it also, mm-hmm. like, I would say that there's also power in the next part. The next yeah. part is about Jesus saying, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. She mm-hmm. says, you've had many husbands. She's like, sir, how do you know this? Yes. That it's this power of being known mm-hmm. and how we're, in, I mean, so I think there it plays into the questions, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to read that part too? Um, we can, but we're not going to do it for Sunday. Yeah, let me just read a little bit because I think it's it's worth getting a little bit of it. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is, is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. And then disciples show up and we'll stop there. But part of the reason I wanted to read that far was because there's also this really powerful shift that's happening at Mm -hmm. the well, which is that Jesus is also shifting Mm -hmm. where worship, how we understand the place of God. Yeah, where you're seeking God at. That God is not found just in the temple. God is also found in, Mm -hmm. found everywhere. And this, this is one of the things that is being pushed and transformed. So in some ways that asks that seeking question of like, where do we find God and Jesus is saying, not where you think, right? Like it's going to be bigger than that. And part yeah. of this is Jesus is at the well where we're not expecting him mm-hmm. speaking with somebody we're not, he's not expected to speak to. So it's another example of God being in that place that is not expected. Yeah. At yeah. the time of day when people wouldn't expect him, right? It's right. like the time for yeah. women to come to the well. Right. Midday. Well, and even in the middle of the day, she probably wouldn't actually be there. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. Yes. Or that they she's, would come in the evening. Yeah. That she would be there. She's, she's avoiding there. people too. That's Correct. right. That's yeah. That's what this... the general theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, but go ahead and read Exodus because, but I think that this is, I just yeah. wanted that little bit because I think it's helpful. No, I agree. So. I agree. It does really get into that seeking question of where do we find where do we find God, right? Yeah. And it's like, is it where your people think God is? Is it where our people think God is? Right. It's actually neither. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, yeah, there's power in that. So the Exodus versus water from the rock, it's chapter 17. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rufidim and but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at, Ho- at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So I like the connection of the two because, right, I think I'm I'm noticing now a little bit more like you're saying, it's like, where is God, right? Um, But I also like that they're seeking out this question of, what does God provide for us, right? Yeah. In a circuitous kind of way. Well, in some ways, it's it's that searching for abundant life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so the woman is seeking water, and Jesus says, living water, right? Yeah. Like that there's something more mm-hmm. that you, and you'll never thirst again, because it's bigger than just your physical thirst. And here, in some ways, we're seeing the people and Moses wrestling with what who provides what mm-hmm. and where does it come from? Yeah. And, and yes, who provides what, where does it come from? How do we ask for what we need? That's kind of the big thing that I'm kind of thinking about, right? Cause the Israelites are asking for water and that's like an, a necessity. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But in this moment, their need is greater than just the water. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot going on in their story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wilderness and experiencing struggle. Yeah, they the need is really that last question, right? Yeah. Is God among us? Which is also really interesting because it's also after essentially they rejected I mean, I'm trying to remember within the narrative of of Exodus that essentially they they had the option to go to the promised land essentially and they opted out. Um, um, because, and then, then they're in the wilderness wandering and eventually they get to go back. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, it's essentially that's their the own second fail- time. That's the second happens. time. That's not this so, time. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. This is when they're fresh into, fresh the, into the wilderness, the wilderness okay. and they're thirsty. Okay. And they're really trying to figure out if God is, is with them. So this is. That does but, happen again. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting thing to think about though, is the power dynamics of, of choice. Mm-hmm that sometimes thirst comes as a consequence of choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this case, it's life or death, right? It's in some ways, it's, it's not that they opted not to trust in God and to mm-hmm. um, enter, you know, and to be stuck in the wilderness. It's not their own decision mm-hmm. that makes them be there. Yeah. It's that it's, that but they they're are desperate there, too. but they're desperate. I think you're, yeah. yeah, you're, you're pointing out that that's where they're kind of at in the story. They're desperate, right? They're desperate and they think, well, I guess will God meet our physical needs, but we do need much more than that. They're desperate, but it's also, I, I think it's interesting thinking about, cause I think it goes both ways really powerfully is it's also not causal. Their desperation is not out of their own choice. Yeah. Their desperation is out of a circumstance that is larger and I think that that's really interesting to pair with the Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. whereas whether or not it's her choice, it might have been desperation and survival with mm-hmm. all these marriages or whatnot. But, but, yeah, but marriages. But, yeah. Right. But in other ways, it's also it's this question of are we still thirsting, whether it is something that we had power to change mm-hmm. or whether we are powerless. Mm. Thirst is still there for something more. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And do we trust God even when we've made poor choices or even when there is nothing, we've done everything right, right? Coming back to the kind of the good enough from last Sunday, like the, yeah, that, that trusting that God's providence and God's provision Mm -hmm. in the midst of our own choices, as well as just Mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm just... Even when we can't cool ask for, even when we can't ask for what we need, does God still provide it? Right, and you even know, if we've rejected what we thought we needed, yeah. does God still provide it? Because I find right? it so interesting in the conversation the Samaritan woman has with Jesus that he's like, "You should have asked me for this." <laughs> I know it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> sassy, isn't it? And then she's like, "Okay, well then I'll ask you for that." Right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. This is a it's a pretty intense conversation if you think about it. Like, it is. And it's also where do people get to have a one-on-one with Jesus? This is one of the only places in scripture where we have yeah. a one-on-one, nobody else is around. Mm-hmm. And then the disciples show up later and they're like, "Why were you talking to that woman?" Yeah. Right? Like the disciples get all in a in a, in a tizzy. And and yet the reality is um they love a good tizzy. They do, but like that so that's another layer to this. God appears to us when we are alone mm-hmm. and when we are all together, right? The Israelites are all together in thirst and in yeah. need. Yeah. Here she is alone in need, isolated. Yeah. And God is present in both those places mm. too, right? Mm-hmm. Granting water. Yeah. The living water, right? Yeah. And in the sense it's there it's both the living water, right? Yeah, I think so. It's your needs, you know, I think we go back to like the give us this day our daily bread right right you when you think about there's you know there's because jesus says that later right yeah my food is to do with the will of him who sent me and complete his work yeah um so there is this kind of commingling between the essentials for life and the essentials for life living life yeah mm-hmm. which in some ways is a is a nice reminder that physical life matters to God mm-hmm. as much as life spiritual. in a spiritual eternal yeah. way that mm-hmm. that they are inter they are intertwined they are not separate yeah. which is actually I mean and its core is very very biblical I mean mm-hmm. then but um, we often um, so don't be tipping people with Bible passages, you know, <laughs> like people do that. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That's yuck. Heinous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's a both and <laughs> it's a both and the physical matters, mm-hmm. um, which also means that, you know, that, that it matters how we care for our bodies. It matters how we care for other people's bodies. It matters mm-hmm. how we care for our world and society, yeah. but it also matters how we think about um, what continues mm-hmm. that life that life abundant and living water is is life beyond just our physical bodies, but it doesn't mean that we get to disregard them no. right? or disregard the world around God us. God sees the multiplicity of our, sorry, needs. Uh, I'm just keep yeah. coming back to that. God sees yeah. the multiplicity of our needs even when we don't, right? Yeah, yeah. Like because the woman at the well doesn't know that she needs to ask for the living water. The no. Pe- the Israelites in the wilderness don't know that they just really need to ask, are you with us, God? Yeah. Like you got us to this point. Will you be with us beyond this time? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what does, and in some ways this is really interesting because like 
with both of these stories, you could you could argue um, the Israelites are obnoxious. Oh, for sure. Right? You could oh, argue the worst. you could argue that the woman, in some ways, is kind of pretentious. I mean, like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, mm-hmm. but in the sense that, like, she's like, he's like, give me a drink, and she's like, who are you to ask me for a drink? And then he'd yeah. say, like, what do you want, sir? And he says, if you knew, you would say, you would ask me. Yeah. And the woman is like, you don't have a bucket. Um, like, yeah, Where's who your, are you? Did you bring your bucket? Also, she's like, like a no nonsense kind of lady. Yeah, which is which is delightful. <laughs> yeah, and but I but I think that that in a lot of ways too, like it raises it raises the knowledge that like that that meeting us in the multiplicity also meets us in our absolute humanness. Yeah, right. In our not getting it. In yeah. our um, God our, doesn't care if you're sassy or difficult or like a bunch of toddlers roaming around in the wilderness. <laughs> You know? Gang of toddlers. Yes, that's the, that's Israelites. the Israelites. Yeah, there's. I think I've said this before. There's yeah. the um, there's the one episode of Rugrats. That's the Passover. Yeah, and the babies play the Israelites, of yes. course, and that's that's the truest truth of it all. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. But yeah, yeah, but that none of that matters to God, right? You know, we're we're working on the Enneagram in a in the book study. Yeah, and. You know, they talk about the Enneagram, which is like essentially a personality typing system, right? It's a tool meant to be used so you can understand yourself and understand the world around you and people around you. It allows for greater introspection in relationship to others and yourself. Yes, but but he, you know, he calls your personality like kind of this lie that you tell yourself, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like a mask, you know? And so... The, the beauty is about this all is that, you know, it doesn't your personality and the difficulty of your personality doesn't make you worthy or unworthy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your yeah. trauma of your past doesn't make you worthy or unworthy. Yeah. The what you are carrying with you mm-hmm. internally, externally, all of that does not make you beloved. Yeah. What makes you beloved is the fact that you are a child of God, mm-hmm. right? And that's yep. true with the Israelites in the wilderness. It's true with the, the woman at the well. Yeah, It's true for all of us. And, yep. and that's that's powerful. Because even when, when the part you read, when Jesus goes on to talk about the husbands, yeah. right? It's kind of just like, this is the facts, you know? These are the things of your life. But I yeah. see beyond that, right? The real point is, where where will God be for you? You know, well, and I I love thinking about this true, also through the lens of story, right? Mm-hmm. As in, you think about the woman comes to the well, and she has this whole narrative of her life, right? That she's been, uh, some way rejected. Um, she's not um, clearly like based on the time of day. She's not there based on the fact that she she doesn't want to see people. She doesn't want to deal with the baggage that yeah. she's amassed. She want to see the other women at she the well, right? Gospin, yeah, maybe. and she doesn't necessarily. She's not denying her history, but she also mm-hmm. isn't necessarily wanting to carry it publicly because it's yeah. it's hard, it's vulnerable. And Jesus basically, in some ways, says, "This is your story, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Right? There is more. Yeah. Right. Um, in some ways, by naming that piece, right, and in some ways." I think that that's also what God does with like the water in the wilderness mm-hmm. is that like, you know, if you start unpacking the layers of grumbling about needing water, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, 
what what is going on with the story of the people? Our story is well, yeah, and it and reminds what is me. Jesus shift? Uh, what is God shifting that to through yes, Moses? Right? Yes. Potential. What, what is the possibility for something different? And I think we've talked about this too, or maybe we talked about it in the other podcast we're doing. But like, the what has your story been in the past, and what do you want your story to be in the future? Right? Yeah. And yeah. the Israelite story in the past is slavery, yeah, lack. Yeah. You know. Having their basic needs met and having that be like, well, you know, we are slaves, but at least our basic needs are met, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because that's the the narrative they go back to time and time again. It is. They're like, but we we were comfortable. Yeah. You know, we didn't have any rights or any freedom, but like at least we had some food to eat, you know? Right. Like you go back to that story, that old story about yourself. And the same can be said for the woman at the well, right? It could be so easy to go back to the story of, oh, you're here at noon because you don't want to face the other women because you've had five husbands and they're gossiping about you, right? Like that's the implied yeah. that's the implied story and baggage. And Jesus says, you know, I see that, that that's been your story, but going forward, you're going to have a new story, right? Because you're going to be this person who's going to go out and share the good news, which is well, what she does she next. She does this, and, th- and that in some ways that is the biggest transformation is essentially you open scene, right? Mm-hmm. With her showing up to the well, not wanting to be in touch with anybody, mm-hmm. right? And this Barbie- forces her to be in touch with everyone. <laughs> right, but yeah. but what it what it shows though mm-hmm. is that is that there is a story that is bigger than the one we carry. Yeah. Right for uh, our own. The one you've been telling yourself, yourself right? That and, no longer serves you. Right. And what's really interesting, I mean, and this would be the the great interview question for the Samaritan woman, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, how was it? To go back to these people that you'd previously not want to see because you were afraid of the stigma of the shame that had yeah. been lobbed on you mm-hmm. um, and to get to share this good news with them. Yeah. What? How was that? How was it going from a woman with five husbands to a prophet? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think that in some ways. I mean, we, do, we don't get that answer, but in other ways, it's, it asks for us the question of what is stopping us? Um, from whatever our, wherever our life is to also share the living water. Yeah. Right. That like what we need the most, what we need the most. Right. Like, and it is, can we share that? This living water is like the abundance of new life, right? A new life, a new story, right? Like you were talking about being born from above, right? Yeah. Getting that opportunity. There is something really powerful that I think, you know, the evangelical church really clings on to, and it's this transformation, right? Yeah. The old is gone, the new is now, right? That you are made new. Right, And yeah. there's something so powerful, you know, that's why we love a good fresh start. That's why we love a good new year, you know, oh, all that it. stuff, yeah. right? Hit reset, we get a new gym membership. We want things to be new, and that is what Jesus is offering. But here's the thing, though, is... Jesus is offering something new. And this is one of the things that I think ties beautifully with like thinking about my grandmother's hands and like talking about trauma is that Jesus does not erase the past. Yeah. But Jesus says, this story doesn't have to be all Mm -hmm. that there is. Yeah. Let it be a scar and not an open wound. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you, I mean, like this woman's past with her husbands and like whatever that means, right? Like, Mm -hmm. My guess is it's just about survival for her. But like, but at the same time, like that isn't erased, but at the same time, there is something so much bigger now mm-hmm. in her story. A bigger calling. Yeah. 
And also that, that all of a sudden that shame is no longer the narrative that holds her. Right. Yes. It's no longer that's, in the driver's seat. And I think that's the point too, where it's where personally I think the evangelicals get evangelicals get it wrong is this idea that before you were a sinner and now you're kind of a saint, right? Right. Yeah. And because that's not the truth, right? Jesus isn't saying, Oh, you've had five husbands, or like, oh yeah, you were slaves in Egypt. It's not like you were complete and utter garbage before and now you're made <laughs> holy in me. That's like not what God, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what God is saying. Yeah. God's yeah. saying you have the opportunity for something new and a new story, but that's a story that I'm, please let me be a part of. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's a powerful way to think about framing it in the sense of how do we, and it, from a Lutheran perspective too, mm-hmm. how do we embrace being saint and sinner at the same time yeah. in a way that allows us to lean into what God is calling us to. Let my grace make it new. Right. Yeah. 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 Can we, can we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I know it's always funny. It doesn't matter what denomination you're in. Like somebody's going to be like, you know, Catholic guilt, Lutheran guilt, Episcopalian <laughs> guilt, Presbyterian guilt. Like yeah. there's guilt. All, there's not much enough guilt to go around anywhere. But like at the same time, like it's that question of, can we set aside the baggage that we carry well enough to lean into mm-hmm. the living water? Can we recognize that, that it doesn't define us or who God sees us as? That it doesn't have to. Yeah. That the only person, the only way that we're, that in some ways, I mean, and this is psychologizing. And in it, God's eyes, it never has. No, exactly. But it's, it's a us, self-perpetuating right? myth, we're right? The that we ones. are the ones that are holding on to that identity yeah. in, a, in a way that is damaging. Yeah. It's and, unfortunate that we say that, right? Like the Jewish guilt, the Catholic guilt, the Lutheran guilt, because it's like that's all the stuff that we make. That's not the stuff that God makes. No. Right? Yeah. And by assigning it to like our religious base, we make it seem like that's an essential part of a religion when it's not any part of it. God didn't say, I came here so that you yeah. may have life and also yeah. feel guilty. Right. right. <laughs> and and I would say at a, at an even deeper level. Mm-hmm guilt and shame because like the the difference between the two is guilt is feeling bad about doing something mm-hmm. shame is feeling that you yeah. are bad really i'm meaning shame yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i think that that that's one of those pieces that is that is interesting because i think that like often we internalize guilt mm-hmm. and make it about us mm-hmm. that like you know that is this woman feel guilty because she's somehow or is it she feels shame that she is a bat, that so there's something wrong with her? Bad, yeah. And it's probably shame. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it's, yeah, I really, I really love, I love tying these two stories together. Molly, I think it's great that you're doing that because I, I mean, that the lectionary does it and you're mm-hmm. running with it. Because, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because I think that like in a lot of ways, it's allowing us to remember that, that our, st- that our story doesn't have to be what we currently think it is mm-hmm. and that it, it, it is that there is um, agency mm-hmm. as an individual, but also agency as a community mm-hmm. to claim that shift mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. That an entire community can choose to say, mm-hmm. God, we are leaning into this mm-hmm. or an individual can, mm-hmm. um, but that there is power in both. 
because you see things transform with both. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that. But like, and and really, too, even if the change happens individually for the Samaritan woman, she needs the community to affirm it. To affirm it and also for her to that in some ways, the affirmation of that shift for her is her comfort to go to the community and to say yes. this. Right. Yeah. Because she she needs the community in the sense that they will listen to what she has to say. Yeah. Yeah. The water isn't living until it allows her to actually live. Yeah. Ooh. ooh. Right. That's a I good mean, one. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's yeah. true. And and in some ways, that's actually an interesting question for the Exodus. I didn't read ahead, but, like, what happens next? Like, does the water allow them to live in a way that lets them move forward? No, because then they're, <laughs> they're th- <laughs> then they find something new. New to complain about, yeah, of course. they find something new, which is uh, the, in truest, the, desert. the truest of the true. But I, I want to say, too, I was thinking about yeah. something when you were saying, like, the part of the story of the community and the individual And the reminder, too, that it's never like a one and done kind of situation, you know, right? I mean, this is a constant journey. Like Like this vignette at at the well is a moment. Yes. Yeah. But, too, for when I'm thinking about the Israelites as well, right? When you said at the end of, did you say this at the end of your sermon last weekend where it's like um, you're constantly turning, right? You're constantly turning. It's not like towards... I, I yeah. hinted at it a little bit, but like a couple of weeks ago, there was the more of the turning, mm-hmm. the metanoia. Yeah. But like, but I do think with this too, there is the, there is that question. Yeah. But what I'm saying is um, that even, even the, the Israelites mess up and go back to their ways and say, oh, things were great in Egypt. Remember the good old days. Uh, God's still like, you know what? I'm still here. Right. Uh, I know. Now I know what you were thinking about what I said and that that. Yeah, it's the, that the confession and the for, confession yeah. that even mm-hmm. if we're still struggling with the th- thinking that we can be good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And re- needing to repent and turn from that. Yeah. That God is still seeking to breathe new life into us yeah. in that same in the born again and born from above way every day every day yeah 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 and so yeah. that's every another day. one right? Yeah, we, right we really yeah. see this for so. the samaritan woman as like oh this is her turning point this is yeah. the moment where she changes but it's just a fool's errand right like to think that there was never another moment where she needed to remember the living water right mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, to think that, that that her life is transformed to the extent that she never doubts again yeah. or that she never questions her own worth mm-hmm. again. Yeah. I think you're absolutely you right. You need it I think every that, day. That, that, that honesty mm-hmm. and authenticity matters. Yeah. And I think it matters to God and it matters to Christ mm-hmm. in, in this context, too, of the story. Because mm-hmm. in some ways, that that names the fullness of our our humanity in a way that also doesn't deny the past Mm -hmm. and says that the past is still there. Mm -hmm. It's not in the driver's seat, but part of the reason it's not in the driver's seat anymore is because you've let living water in, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it's not actually still in the car with you. Right. Like it's It's, still, it's in the trunk. It's still (laughs) there. Don't let it back in the driver's seat. Right. Like, but like, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. 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 So good. Well, All I right. think that's Living given water. a lot Oof. for people yeah. to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was fun. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting stories and avenues. And there's living water outside melting, you know, snow. Yay. Um, <laughs> Yay. Yay. Ooh. Um, but hopefully, uh, as we wrestled with this today, you've uh, s- somewhere along this journey, you have engaged 
in question or this has struck a nerve with you in thinking about how you engage with your own life, but also in how you welcome um, God's presence, especially in times of needs or need or vulnerability. Because I think in many ways, the that current runs throughout this of saying, what do we what do we need? How do we ask for it? Mm-hmm. As you were said at the beginning, but then also how do we? How and do God we, knows our needs even when we can't right. ask for it. Right. And how yeah. do we, how do we claim it? And how do we also let God in mm-hmm. to that? Right. Can we? Can, can we let God continue a conversation even if, as God speaks to us yeah. at the well, we're like, Mm-mm, nope, nope, that's not how it's going. Because God so, needs us too. And that's where we didn't go, but that's another place as well. That's right? a, man, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, to be continued. Yes. But uh, <laughs> thank you for being with us. It's good to be back in the saddle here. Um, once again, you've been listening to the Queen City Preachers podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And be well, friends.